0: I mean, our mild sauce has made an old woman cry at the farmer's market.
1: This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champagne Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box Studio with a songwriter from the Champagne Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne Is Also a Band podcast. Today, I have Doug and Ian, and you may know Doug and Ian from the Weird Meat Boys. Doug plays in a band you might have heard of called Snacked Out, and Ian plays the oboe. So, Doug and Ian, welcome to the show. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks for for having us. I do want to clarify that I am a recovering oboist. I'm not so much a current sufferer of the tradition. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about, I guess you could say, the Weird Meat Boy's evolution into creating a venue for Champagne urbana Let's just rewind a little bit and say, where did this all begin? Like, y- you started off with sauces?
0: Yeah, sauce was the first thing. Well, the food blog. The f- Right, yeah. The so, blog was the first thing. That yeah, was short-lived. And blogs are... Blogs are terrible. Well, no, um, a lot of Blogs are good. Yeah, <laughs> blog, blog, blogs are a lot of work, it turns out. I guess we met through a UIUC School of Music event, musicology nerds hanging out, and Doug's married to one, and I am one, and so we're hanging out, and one thing led to another that night and ended up with me and Doug staying up till 3 a.m. listening to Billy Joel and just, you know, our friendship grew around that music aspect and then cooking and drinking beer. Yeah. Which all go together really well, it turns out. A a couple big cooking milestones that got us doing the food blog was I bought a smoker because I had a little yard and I was like, this seems like something I should do. I'm from Texas. I should build a smoker. My wife insisted that the very first thing we smoke on the smoker had to be brisket because we're from Texas. And I was like, well, that seems difficult and like, it'll take a long time. And so I said, hey, Doug, do you want to show up at 5 a.m. at my place and drink beer for
2: 12 hours? And he said yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was that. And it was literally a what a 16-hour day where we just yeah. sat in the yard and just drank beer and just hung out. And that was very early on in the friendship. And that kind of like solidified, you know, I was like, hey, I like hanging out with this guy. Let's do this some more. Right before the pandemic hit,
0: I had a class I was taking in the school of music with doug's wife it was a really difficult class i guess compared to other ones and so we after every class would go back to my house and just make ridiculous amounts of awesome food and then drink ridiculous amounts of very cheap beer that was a real bonding thing so when the pandemic hit and we were separated i ended up having to spend most of it down in texas with family due to traveling where we were at the time we missed the cooking together and so we started a blog so we could cook together and share our experiences yeah via
1: the interwebs how did the element of making sauces because like is is that really where it began or uh, or like
2: yeah i I remember they were still in texas we both made hot sauces before they were in texas for the pandemic was they came you guys were over in bulgaria we were in and then they quarantined in texas on her family's farm instead of coming back to illinois but they they sublet let the, the, their house out so they had to go to somewhere and we both made hot sauces before and i shot him a message saying it doesn't look like it's very hard to get into the food game doing hot sauce you just need a commissary kitchen That's pretty much how it started. And we we were working on the hot sauce business before he, you guys even got back. It was never about the
0: hot sauce. Hot sauce is something we enjoy. We enjoyed doing, you know, hot sauce challenges or whatever, or playing around with it, putting it on everything. But what we liked was cooking and food and cooking for people. And so it was really just about, this is probably the easiest foot in the door for anything. We also didn't know if we'd be staying in the area. Of the two couples, three fourths were actively pursuing terminal degrees that would you know put them needing to leave so we just didn't know what was going to happen and we wanted something that could travel if we needed to uproot and go somewhere else and hot sauce is something that could easily do that you could always have the online store so it just sort of made sense to start there it was always a stepping stone yeah it was never the end game
2: we love making it what we really wanted to get our foot in the door with the food world and it was the cheapest most affordable way for two working class people to get into that kind of world that started the whole journey and it moved quick it
1: seems like it i heard about the sauce and then all of a sudden i heard about the truck so what
2: was the jump from the sauce to the truck so i was working at a brewery the owner had a food truck that he was not using because he didn't have any Employees to work it. He mentioned he's like, "Hey, if you guys ever want to use the truck, just put gas in it and fill it with propane, and you're fine." And that was it. It happened very quickly. I mean, part of the reason was
0: because at this point we were really, you know, in the middle of the hot sauce game, uh, first summer at the farmers market, pushing stuff and trying to like generate social media content. And so, of course, we're cooking a bunch, cooking with Mm -hmm. the hot sauces, finding ways to do it, and going as nuts as we could, showcasing our creativity in the kitchen with with the Mm -hmm. sauces. And so he saw that and was like, "Hey." That looks like you guys have some ideas. You can try to make some money. This was
1: mid twenty twenty at this point, or did was this already in twenty twenty one that you you started the truck august of twenty twenty
2: one was when we did the food truck. Yes, it was only a few weeks. I mean huh. what maybe maybe 2 months maybe 2 months of like, food truck yeah it was it was not long and then i think the truck started having issues i think that's one of the main reasons why we stopped yeah. it was very short lived when we stopped doing the truck we were at the farmers market on a tuesday it was like a week after we stopped doing the truck huh. and Ian and i were discussing the same day like we should start looking into some place to rent and then samir the owner of collective port came out 5 minutes later said would you want to use my kitchen to cook, everything seemed to fall into place. Like each time we needed something,
0: it happened. while the food truck thing happened because we had access to a food truck. We caught the attention of some people at the Land Connection, yeah, who runs the Tuesday Market and Champagne and everything. So they knew us, and they were like, "Hey, we have this chef's competition. Do you guys want to do it? We don't have many people because it's coming out of the pandemic." And we're like, "Well, I don't know if we'd call ourselves chefs. However, yes, we will go and mess around with this." So I mean, we had all, all these opportunities, just like just kept happening to us.
1: I'm just curious. uh, Neither of you have had, should you say like formal training in terms of cooking, but, but this has just been
2: easily. You could say that this was originally a passion project for you, right? Like you love cooking. So my wife and I were going to go to Bulgaria to meet up with Ian and his wife. And that's where I was actually going to propose. We were literally leaving the same week that they shut down all international flights. So all the money we saved for the trip I went to the grocery store and just bought a bunch of stuff and just started cooking like crazy. I mean, I've always cooked and I've always loved cooking, but I started taking it more seriously. I was laid off for my job. So it was like six months of me just cooking as much as I can. I guess I missed the point at which the
1: name
0: weird meat boys oh. came, came in. It does also, I think, speak to the ambitions of the company because calling a hot sauce company weird meat boys is a silly move um we obviously had bigger plans beyond that the number of times we got asked at the farmer's market do any of your sauces not have meat in them and we said it would be very illegal to put meat in any of these sauces (laughs) Um, so early on pretty soon after that very first brisket smoke we got super serious about barbecue stuff and you know watched all the videos we could read all the stuff and would have these intense debates not with each other but just with like against the world about people doing things wrong and how you should do stuff and one of these times that we were just getting a little too rowdy and loud with it one of our friends were out at a bar and she turns and said you were just a couple of weird meat boys (laughs) when it was time to come up with the
2: business name we're like whatever that's that's we were slightly obsessed with it not the name but whenever we had these discussions or debates or whatever whatever you want to call them we would be hanging out with friends and it's like the two of us just going and like people like around us are getting bored we're just like so focused on how's the next time we cook how can we make it better you were at collective poor for it's I, i'm gonna be totally wrong th- at least a year right or no we're just no. shy <laughs> oh just shy oh of next year? next yeah. oh, okay. so next weekend is our last weekend there but we started uh. february 11th yeah a couple months shy of a year I feel like it, in one hand at Collective
1: Pour, you offered something that is very like, I want to say standard bar fare. Right. The burger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, smash burgers. But you've offered like some very disparate items that I feel like most people would be like, what? That doesn't go with bar. But is the idea, let's just explore everything? Or is it, I don't know, that, that was my impression is that it doesn't really matter what food you make it's just you want to make the best food you can
2: i think that's it and also i've told ian this i get really bored of cooking the same things over and over again we've always had our staples we've always had like the the smash burger at least one iteration of it if not a few different varieties Mm -hmm. i just get bored of cooking the same stuff let's do a random special once a week sometimes we've thrown in two to three specials in a weekend yeah i think we just want to explore different types of cuisine and cooking styles and trying to stay as true to the traditions as possible with some of it, but also kind of doing our own riff on some things. I wrote out a bio for
0: the last artisan cup and fork competition we did. And I was trying to think of like ways to describe what we're doing in a system like we value traditional techniques and innovative flavors or something like this, something like this, but like, I mean, because yeah, it's about making the pasta by hand and like looking at why it works that way why it's better when the italian grandma makes it that way or why it's better when actual cuts of pasta are done a certain way or made with a certain type of flour that just makes a better product and also tells a more interesting story and i think can get people thinking about the world hopefully in a different way i mean to not get too quixotic about the whole thing but like i think that like really it matters and, and and can have a real impact on it and i also think that what we've done at collective poor speaks to once again our ambitions for what we want to do naming our company the weird meat boys and then the kind of flavors we put it with the hot sauce has always been sort of out there um and then at collective poor trying to push the boundaries of the box because everything we made had to come out in a box yeah and, uh, and so it's like what do you do with that and, you know and some things that we tried failed dramatically and we weren't able to do a lot of the stuff that we we thought we would because And it's just not going to not going to work coming out of a box and people aren't going to pay for certain things but we kind of threw everything we had at it for a while and saw what stuck and what we could work with and all just to say that like you haven't seen nothing because with the new place if we're able to not be constrained by things like that it's just you know yeah everything's on the table now
1: doug you started working with the brass rail Mm -hmm. and which up until i don't know several months ago i would not have been like Okay, that's a venue space. You never thought about that <laughs> being a venue. yeah, honestly, watching that happen just reminds me of that it's the bar owners' decision as to whether something can be a venue or not right, right. so it's whether they're willing to make that move to make it available to make it. I, I want to say like their regular business interrupted, I don't mm-hmm. know or to to have music. And it just reminds me that, I mean, if owners were more willing to create space, it's one of those things. It's like anything can be a space
2: as long as fire codes permitted, I guess, right? You know? I mean, I've been booking at the rail for almost a year now. I went to a show that I think I saw the, uh, the dry look it was my first show pre pandemic. It was like in February and then March happened and then pandemic happened. I think they went a while without doing shows, and I randomly walked in one night, and there was like two acoustic acts playing, and I talked to bar manager Wink, and I was like, do you mind if I book bands? He's like, yeah, go ahead. What's my cutoff here? Like, how much can I do? He's like, as many as you want. Dangerous words for Doug. The first show I was going to book was only going to be a few bands, and then he's like, how about we just take the whole day and do a festival? So my first show was Railfest, and we had 11 bands play in the Brass Rail on a single day, and... We did bring two out-of-town bands for it, but it was all mostly trying to focus on the local DIY scene. Any show I book, I try to throw a local band on it because that's the reason why I'm doing it is because I like seeing local bands, and there's not a really a lot of good places for them to play. I mean, obviously, you have the Rose Bowl, which does a great job of uh-huh. doing local shows, but I live in Champaign, and like I love the Brass Rail, and I, like, I love helping them out, and they love having shows. We just had a show last night. I mean, my band was supposed to play, but we had to drop off for... Scheduling reasons, but I mean, it was a great show last night. It's a fun scene, and I'm new to the Champagne Urbana mm-hmm. area. I've only been here for about five years, but it's a huge community, and yeah. there's a lot of people that want other places to play. It's like you don't want to keep playing the same places over and over again. So it's it's been fun. When did the concept of the space come about? Did
1: you lease Marianne's first, or did the idea of the space where you would? incorporate the
0: the sauce the the music the food i would say conceptually the idea of having our own space once again is like sort of potentially always there something we'd be interested in we thought it would be further down the line but this last summer it became very apparent that we needed to think really hard about our timeline with stuff what it came down to was we're serving food from the back of a bar that you can only order online We don't have signage we're going to bury it in this thing we're only doing three days a week we're making all this sauce we can only sell at the farmer's market you can get it online but we're not able to have like a physical store location and then doug is booking all these shows and you know we're buying pa equipment so that we can book better bands and so they feel better when they they come through and so we have all this stuff and these ways of making money and we're making a bunch of other people a lot of money and they're like what if we could you know, have tighter control over all of this stuff. So it just became a more concrete thing of like, we need to be thinking quicker than we thought. It's not going to be a few years from now. It's going to be like, if something's going to happen, it should happen soon because we're stretching ourselves very thin, time-wise, financially, everything, trying to like make all these aspects work. Mary Hans is right around the corner from Collective Poor. So we got the chance to see it every day going into work at Collective Poor. And I want to say, Doug was the first to say, you know, it would be a cool spot, you know? And and, uh, once he named it, it was like, you know that would be.
2: I mean we, we we're going to Black Dog for lunch and on the way back I just stopped. This is like at least 2 months before we signed the lease. I mean it, it happened very quick. We I mean we we spent weeks going over financial plans to make sure everything works, all that stuff, but like I took a photo of the real estate sign And Ian's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Just kind of want to reach out to this guy and see if it's available or like how much they're asking and what's the deal. It happens so fast and it seems like it's still happening very fast and it doesn't seem real. Well, I don't think it was a rash decision. I hope not. No. Well, I mean, (laughs) uh, yeah, I don't think there's ever going to be a right
0: time. I think if you wait to the right time, things will not work out. I mean, so much was just right about this particular space. I think that the two things that sort of came together for us was here is a spot centrally located with a working hood and bathrooms like yeah. that's fantastic like the Huge biggest expense ex- yeah that's th- just like off the plate now yeah those are the right. biggest things that you get in trouble to when you start a restaurant is these things and we heard through the real estate agent that the ownership was like we want someone in here now and so all of a sudden that lit a fire where we're like if we don't jump on this someone else will hmm. and yeah. at that point champion urbana isn't the biggest place in the world so we have a general sense for like What's open, what's not open, you know, and unless a restaurant would just happen to randomly go out a business at the perfect time and we could take over, we were just weren't right. going to have a better deal. That was kind of it.
1: So I saw online in late October that you had started a Kickstarter. You know, I think Kickstarter tends to be more about creating a community and then support through that community rather than just like we need money right otherwise you would have just sought out capital investors that kind of thing right right. people that would have joined in just as silent partners whatever tell me a little bit about that decision to make it a kickstarter
0: every step of the business has had some form of this when we launched the hot sauce company we started with a kickstarter asked for a very low amount and just got a couple thousand to you know buy the first round of bottles kind of thing, then we're good from there. And then when we got into Collective Poor, we talked with Kayla from FireDoll, and she recommended going through this organization called Kiva, which does these interest-free loans to small businesses that they raise through micro-donations, basically. It's a really cool platform, and so we got an interest-free loan from them that were paying back at very agreeable terms and everything. And so this time we wanted to do something similar just because we loved the energy that those things bring of gathering people together. It's as it fulfills a sort of marketing thing in, in a way, you know, you kind of get to advertise some stuff. And what's cool about Kickstarter, it's not donations. It's not free money. Everything that you give, you get something. It's really like future sales in a fun way and so we had this opportunity to kind of give people a sampling of what we were going to be doing Mm -hmm. and so by you know buying in now you can get some show tickets future show tickets future burgers also get on the list to be one of the first people to experience our tasting menu that we're going to be exploring doing some really intense cooking and we wanted to I guess, offer this to people ahead of time instead of waiting until doors open to do that and build some of that. And also through something like uh, you can join the Space Club is another thing, which will be a kind of a membership where you get access to to things other people won't. We'll throw parties for the Space Club. Uh, You'll get gift baskets throughout the year. But then also when sauces come out or specials come out we'll offer it to space club members first trying to build this community around what we want to do people who buy into the vision early on that helped us a lot with the hot sauce and we figured it could help us with this the only reason we're still here is because people in this community like what we do you know that's it that's it and and so we want to give those opportunities for people to to continue to buy into what we're doing and not seek out capital investors what we want is community Supported people, local that we know who we're dealing with.
1: I've been in that Marianne's. I'm thinking about the footprint there. How are you envisioning a stage, a cook surface, a store, and seating? How are you envisioning that rolling out?
2: I did a tour of the space without Ian. He was doing some school stuff, or I, for some reason he couldn't make it. So I contact the real estate agent. I was like, Hey, can I get in this place just to kind of look around? And it's a very interesting setup how they have it, but we have some cool ideas for how it's going to go down. There's going to be a long bar that wraps. So like we'll be cooking in front of people. I love the open kitchen style right now. I'm so disconnected from our community at collective because I'm in the back cooking. Ian, is also cooking, but he brings the food out to the little bookshelf and we they pick it up and he'll go walk around and like ask people how they're doing. I'm just so far in the back. I don't get to Mm. have that. And I really enjoy that. But yeah, we're gonna have a long bar where you can sit there, watch us cook, shoot the shit. But when you first walk in, that little thing to the left is going to be like a lounge area, be a hot sauce tasting room. We'll have a record shop. I really want to focus on like selling like local bands. Merch. We'll have like a little small library Kind of make it like a cool little area to hang out in. And then the very back, right next to where the bathrooms are, there's just enough room to do like a little DIY floor level show. I think there are plans to do like a small riser for bands. For right now, I think we're just going to do floor level. It's funny, the, the way that you're you're talking about it, it reminds me so much
1: kind of the layout of the Iron Post. Hmm. You know how, yeah. I, I mean, because yeah. you even have to walk for the bathrooms by the stage. Yep. When you say cooking in front of people and there's a bar, would this be you have your back to the people while you're cooking? Yeah. Okay, because yeah. I was picturing the original yeah. Marianne's diner layout with the, the grills and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, and I was also like, you already mentioned there's a hood, so you can't move the hood. Yeah, right. Probably not a good way to do that. <laughs> I think that's going to be awesome. And I I was curious that whether you were going to use that cutaway place as the stage area, but we, that,
2: that's just me. That you know. was actually our first idea for mm-hmm. the stage area mm-hmm. but there's a wall there that kind of makes it a very awkward shape i was looking at it it's a load-bearing wall so it, it's not like oh. i can take that wall away that's originally where i wanted the stage to be but it'd be a perfect spot out of the way once we started looking at it we kind of figured it would cause a bottleneck when you're mm-hmm. first walking in because right. you the, the front door then you have like the stage area but this way you can still get in you can still wait Go to the lounge area, you get food, and then there's also gonna be like a a row of tables against the windows, but then you have the stage in the very back. So it doesn't cause the chaos that I I originally wanted it there because I was like, that's a cool spot. If you're walking by, you're gonna be like, oh, there's bands playing. What is it about food and
1: music that just kind of go together?
0: Food and music, I study. Music, like academically, that's a thing like I do, like music of different cultures. And I think there's been a lot of interesting correlation when moving to the food world, um, because food and music deal with a lot of similar values, like authenticity, you know, cultural meaning, cultural appropriation, these sorts of things come up in, in both of these worlds very easily. I could essentially tease out entire philosophical systems from just like thinking about the concept of food or the concept of music and how, how these things work and how we've inherited these concepts from our histories of colonialism and violence and how we categorize the world in certain ways. What else is similar about them, I guess, is this element of joy and desire, I think. Mm. Both of them are, are things that people want for reasons of experiencing joy. And that's, I think, very powerful. And that's why you have these things that I think there's a different conversation to be had about if, you know, is the concept of music a universal or is the concept of food a universal? I think the answer to both is no. However, if you want to use those categories to analyze things, you could say that every culture in the world has these things. You know, we have mm-hmm. to eat and music has provided any number of sort of social or Whatever cultural function and together they they also just seem to go together in a lot of cultural traditions and a lot of ways of being in the world it's you know, it, it would be kind of weird for them to not go together at all I mean when you're eating you're always listening you're not turning off your ears and when you're going to go hear something unless it's going to be a very short amount of time you probably want to eat during it or something like that you know I mean so these things just kind of naturally can go together and together bringing all of this desire for joy I think Ends up being kind of cool. I mean, and obviously very community building
2: with that. Yeah, I think reiterating what you said, it's joy. I've been playing music for a long time. My dad was an amazing cook. My mother is an amazing cook. My grandparents were amazing cooks. And it just brings me so much happiness to be able to serve people food that I really enjoy cooking. It's the same thing with music. A lot of the bands that I book and bring into town, a lot of people don't really know about them because they're. Champagne's got a weird scene, not a weird scene. I don't want to say that in a bad way. Like the stuff I like listening to, like the bands that were last night, they're all punk bands. I like bringing new stuff to town and I also like supporting the community because the community has been so supportive of us and also supportive of me by being an outsider that wanted to get into the booking game mm. and no one really knowing who I am. Remember the first couple of shows I booked? Bard manager of the Brass Rail would come up to me and say, Hey, just just letting you know people are asking about you because they don't know who you are and they're kind of worried about playing a show for someone where's this guy coming from i'm just i'm just trying to do something cool like i just want to i do it for honestly kind of purely selfish reasons because i want to see music at the brass rail so i book the shows yeah i think doug
0: says he he has to like listen and watch to every band he books pretty close because he only wants to book things he would like
1: if it's something you enjoy it's like you can be the most critical
2: of those bands that you're going to end up booking right Right. so i mean and and we are going to be open with our booking it's not going to be just like punk and metal and hardcore i'll I'll book anybody but we are focusing on independent or small independent label original music no there's nothing wrong with cover bands i actually enjoy watching a cover set every once in a while But I really want to dive into original music and try to support the community as much as possible. Once the space opens, describe the business hours. Like,
1: it seems like if you're going to have a band come in and operate as a venue, there would be, like, ticket sales for that. On a normal operating basis, you'd be open for maybe lunch or dinner or, Mm -hmm. you know. I'm just trying to get a picture of what, what that will look like in terms of regularity of of shows and normal operations
2: so to speak we are going to be open for lunch and dinner uh five days a week we're still trying to work on what days we're going to be open show booking i think we discussed maybe four to five shows a month try to do it pretty pretty actively if there's more interest in doing shows more often and it works out where it's not too much of a hindrance on the cooking side because i'm 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 also the sound guy so like right. we do have an employee a couple guys that are gonna be helping us out in the kitchen so i can step away to fulfill that role but at the same time i don't want to like abandon my duties as right you know the that's the main reason why we're there is the food i mean the music i wouldn't say a second but the food is what's going to keep people coming back i think there are some
0: questions that will be answered only once we start about how many shows will happen because obviously we're still in the phase of turning in architect drawings and things nothing is built yet once we get things built and able to kind of see the infrastructure in place and see how easy it is to convert from dining room to show venue that'll all just kind of depend because if it's a big hassle to transfer from cooking to the show thing maybe we're not going to do three shows a week but Heck, if it ends up not being that big a deal and we find the right systems in place where we can be, you know, serving at least some form of the menu at the same time that shows are happening and we can make that all work, then like, why the hell not? Like, I mean, we'll we'll definitely do it. And I think that during the day, the plan right now, at least, is that lunch will be closer to our menu right now at Collective Pour of burger heavy kind of thing. So you come in for a quick bite for lunch, you'd have someone on the flat top cooking out the burgers, people probably browsing hot sauce and stuff, but while that lunch stuff is happening there's gonna be someone in the back prepping for the dinner which will be more ambitious that's where we're gonna kind of bring out the big guns with the culinary stuff and and try to turn some heads with what we're doing and so that will be not just burgers although you will be able to get a burger too we're not gonna stop the burger people like burgers
1: when it's not necessarily operating as a venue or as a dining room do you have any anticipation of You know, maybe having some acoustic show playing at some time. The only reason I say that is usually when it's like a solo act or something like that, usually you can step away from the soundboard. It's usually like set it and forget it. Because with acoustic instruments, you tend to not have the huge dynamic that you might have with full drums and electric instruments, et cetera. Because a jazz Uh, brunch would be cool. Honestly, uh, I I love those kind of things. You know, That
2: is one thing we do plan on doing as a brunch. And that would be kind of cool. Yeah, i have never even thought about that. <laughs> yeah, we
0: had. I think we at one point had said the words "jazz brunch" in the same sentence when we were talking about stuff, but then we just completely <laughs> forgot it. We've been to places where where that's a thing. I think the music thing so far for us, we've been so, I guess, focused on just trying to get a space for the the big groups right. finally that you know that won't fit in the brass rail. And it's like, oh, this is gonna be great for this stuff. But like, yeah, I don't know why we wouldn't just also always have people coming in to do acoustic yeah. stuff like yeah, i mean, I mean right. it could end up being an every night i mean that that could be an every night thing where it's like if there's not a big band playing there is some person there doing something so i'm i'm really excited to
2: see that do you know what your timeline is for for everything there's no date but i think we're hopeful for january but also trying to be realistic. So it's probably going to be February. We're still so early into the process. Luckily we're turning in health department paperwork this week. They have to have the final say on the bar layout and our processes. And if they say yes, then in 30 days we could be building the bar training staff and getting open. It's just, there's a lot of moving pieces that are still kind of also applying for a liquor license and, yeah, All the, the fun stuff that goes into the business side of it that, you know, has to be done, but it's, it's just a lot. It's a
0: lot, and maybe they go over all this stuff in business school. I don't know. I <laughs> always hated business and think it's a very silly thing, and it still feels like a very silly thing to me. As someone of more of an anarchist-leaning sort of political vibe, I am constantly baffled and disheartened that we've built a society like this where we have so much bureaucratic paperwork that goes into very simple things i'm not saying there's not reasons for a lot of them i am saying that it doesn't feel like everything is exactly as it should be though and so i think it's part of the opening date question is like how will all of this shake down we don't think what we're wanting to do will be very complicated but so we just have to get yeses from the right people
1: i have like two Two rapid-fire questions for both of you that cool. that kind of popped in. Ian, what is you, the favorite sauce that Weird Meat Boys makes? Uh, favorite to taste or favorite to
0: make actively? Oh, crud. Um, <laughs> how about both? If we're finding that that fine line between the two, it's the barbecue sauce. It is not that bad to make and freaking delicious. Yeah, for a number of reasons. It, it hits both marks for me.
2: Absolutely. And Doug? Rail sauce. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sauce that we make for the brass rail not just because I love the Brass Rail and I'm obsessed with that place. I think that sauce is just really good. It is and really good. And everyone that's had its they've always said that's, that's the best sauce we make.
0: I like to change my answer. The rail sauce is much easier to make. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> In the time that you've been making food for other people, what was the most surprising thing to you once you began making food for, for people?
0: Uh, my answer, I guess, will be two parts, if that's okay for even a rapid fire thing. Sure. I have been surprised with how people consistently like our burgers i can count on one hand a number of people who have anything bad to say about it like it's really remarkable that like that people's tastes seem to be sort of in line in a certain way that like beef with a char in this way like is just like good like people don't like mm. dislike this thing it's, it's it's i expected people to have more things to say but in general it's just like this solid uh, <sighs> consistent response which varies dramatically from the hot sauce side where no there is no such thing as standardizing heat levels is something that we've come to understand that like yeah like it is yeah. just ridiculous how all over the place it is i mean our mild sauce has made an old woman cry at the farmer's market but then like other people don't taste anything i mean it's 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 just odd to me the in, in the juxtaposition yeah. of those two things i guess is what was so surprising
2: right. doug that question on you everywhere that pops up there's a the name associated to it one, the repeat orders that mm-hmm. we get, mm-hmm. but also people that don't stick to the same thing that they order every time. So you'll see a name that they constantly order maybe once a month, twice a month, or once a week, but they, it's never the same order. Huh? And I like seeing people change it up yeah, because like me, I I'm a creature of habit. I go to a restaurant. I usually get the same things. I know it's good. If I stray from that path, and I end up not liking it as much as the other thing that I always get, then I'll be disappointed. But the, there's people that come in and try everything. Mm. I mean, there's been guys that come in a couple weeks ago. One of our friends came in and ordered ramen, a sandwich and nuggets. And we're like going to a party. He's like, no, I'm just going to eat this here. <laughs> like it's, I, I like seeing the variety. People like to change things up. I think that's kind of cool for the listeners. I'll be posting the Kickstarter
1: link on the show notes so i i hope that you take an opportunity to look at all the different tiers and there's some really nice ones in there there's so many choices out there that i'm sure you'll find one that will fit you just right and i'm pretty sure that weird meat boys will agree that no amount is too small no amount is too big so <laughs> feel free to give and get rewards for supporting the weird meat boys doug and ian thank you for coming on the show and talking about weird meat boys the space your hot sauces and generally just where you come from so thank you so much for sharing your vision it's fun
0: yeah thanks for having us out and thanks for showing us the miniature donkeys earlier that was really fun (laughs) yeah those are cool Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Doug. And this is Ian of the Weird Meat Boys and soon The Space. Reminding you, great music is out there. Go find it where you live.
1: Champagne is also a band. You almost have an NPR voice, it's so
2: good. <laughs> Studio. South Peter.
1: bread bowls is that what you're saying bread bowls no yeah. I'm <laughs> exclusively
0: a bread bowl concept it's a <laughs>
1: <laughs> but i ordered a burger shut up and eat your bread bowl <laughs>